Good morning, and welcome to Monday Mornings. With Maddie and Morgan. I'm Maddie. And I'm Morgan. Hello, and this is my cat. <laughs> Hi, Josie. As usual. Okay. I have some later. cats uh, swimming around here like sharks because it's oh. their dinner time. So, Always. so if we get any uh, head bumps on the microphone, that's why. Yep. So uh, I am in my closet also. Because, in theory, the sound should be a little bit better. And they're very worried about me, so you might be back. (laughs) why are you there? (laughs) This is our spot. What are you doing? Yeah. How are you? How was your week? I'm good. I got a tattoo today. Yes, it's so cute. Little bloobs. Yeah, so me and um, my lovely sister Jackie finally got our matching tattoos. Cute. So we both got little blueberry branches. Love it. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, shout out to Jax at Good Mojo Tattoo in Beverly, Massachusetts. She did a fantastic job. I highly recommend her or Good Mojo in general. They Maybe were very I'll nice. Go to her at some point because Lib goes back to Endicott in January for grad school. So. So she's still going to live at home, but she has to be on campus sometimes. Fun. Well, we'll have to go for our pine cones. Definitely. Yes. Every time I just think of, I don't think we've told this story on the pod, but when we lived together, I distinctly remember finding a teeny tiny pine cone at my walk from class. I was thinking about that the other day because I was thinking about what pine cone we should get tattooed because there's many different pine cones, obviously. I feel like you should tell the rest of the story because it's funnier if you do. (laughs) Well, so, (laughs) I forget what, where it was on campus, but every day when we would walk to the library or to go get coffee or just walking back to our apartment when we lived together, Morgan would pick up these teeny tiny little baby pine cones and think, I'm going to keep you forever. (laughs) They're so cute. And then I would have them all over my room. (laughs) And I remember the first time I found one, I like, Maddie came home from summer class or something I like sprinted down the stairs <laughs> to show her <laughs> but it was so cute they're so tiny they're so tiny they're so cute I don't even know what kind of tree they come off of but it must be like some small bush or something yeah but anyway we have a podcast oh yeah um and I only like posted on our story on Friday so if you guys didn't see it we released part three of Whitey Bulger on Friday and it really gives a nice wrap-up to that saga. Yeah. Sorry about the ending of that one. It's a little bit, uh... Yeah, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. That's what we get when we talk about sad stuff, so... Exactly. And well, how so are you? What do we have this week from you? I'm good. I've been super busy, but that's just how the holidays are. Mm-hmm. Um... But we do have another multi-parter coming up because the second half, I was just going to do it on one, but I feel like the second half needs more attention than just like a few minutes. So I didn't want to rush it. So if you all remember when we were on our little hiatus, (laughs) I went to San Francisco with my darling sister, Lib. Yes. And we visited Alcatraz, of course, because of course. (laughs) And so, in this part, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Alcatraz. Woo! 
Okay, uh, so I do have one question. Yes. Did you watch Escape from Alcatraz, the Clint Eastwood? I didn't. You I didn't? Should. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what my mother asked me as I was coming up here to record. She was like, but did you watch that in, pre- in preparation? I was like, no. I didn't, but I did write a lot about that escape. So that's like our last section today. Gotcha. We'll get right. there. Um, so today we're going to cover basically from the history of the island, like when it popped out of the ocean, to up to its closure in 1963. And then next week we'll cover some of the events that have happened on the island since the closure, or since the closure of the prison, I should say, up until today. Can't so, wait to start when it popped out of the ocean. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Bringing us way back. Okay. Way back. But... As you'll learn, it's not as far back as you thought. Oh. Okay. Fine. <laughs> so, I'm going to try my hardest to not just spit facts at you. That's but funny. if I fail, bear with me. <laughs> Most of this info is coming directly from the National Park Service, who has jurisdiction over the island. Yes. Um, that would be in the form of literature that I picked up while I was there. Little $1 booklets. Cute. That have, a, they like pack a lot of information into them and there's infographics and it's so great. <laughs> I love a good infographic. Yeah. And articles from the National Park Service website. I also used some info from the FBI website and of course Wikipedia for general stuff. Yes. So let's get started. Are you ready? Oh yeah, I'm so ready. So, according to Wikipedia, Alcatraz Island, also known as The Rock, not to be confused with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Although he is as big as that rock, probably. He's probably that big, as big as that rock. And I like them equally. Yes. Which is saying a lot for both of them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's located in San Francisco Bay, just 1.5 miles offshore. So, when you take a boat to get there, it's like a 10-minute boat ride. It's not very nice. long. So, Alcatraz Island is the site of the abandoned federal prison, the oldest operating lighthouse on the west coast of the United States, early military fortifications, and natural features such as rock pools, a seabird colony, mostly western gulls, cormorants, and egrets, Mm -hmm. and the only native mammal to the island is the deer mouse. Oh, little guy. Yep. And according to a 1971 documentary on the history of Alcatraz, the island measures 1,675 feet by 590 feet and is 135 feet at the highest point during mean tide. The total area of the island is reported to be about 22 acres and it's said to, from like an aerial view, it is shaped like a turtle. (laughs) So that's fun. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) So, now we get started with the early days. <laughs> it's Can't thought, wait. It's thought that Alcatraz rose from the ocean around 10,000 years ago, which in the grand scheme of things is not that long ago. No. Not like as far as land masses and stuff like that. Yeah. It's made mostly of sandstone, which checks out for that area. There's a lot of sandstone. Um, which also is part of, I didn't really go into this, but it's part of the reason that you're supposed to stay on the mark paths while you're on Alcatraz, because it's fragile. It's very prone to erosion. But, no, we won't get into that until maybe next week. We'll see. (laughs) 
I feel like nobody cares about that except for me. So. <laughs> no, it's interesting because it makes it like less of a reliable right, place exactly. to build a prison overall. Exactly. And like most of the structures on the island are like solid concrete. So that also presents issues because they're heavy. Yeah. But wet. we'll get there. For thousands of years, the only visitors to the island were the Ohlone and Miwok Native Americans that occupied the nearby land. They would paddle reed canoes across the bay to the island to hunt for bird eggs and fish from the shore. In 1776, Spanish explorer Juan Michael de Alaya sailed into San Francisco Bay and, in true colonizer fashion, named all of the surrounding islands. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though they already had names. Love it. But whatever. (laughs) As expected. (laughs) So great. Nothing new. Nothing new. Alcatraz remained unused until plans were made to erect a lighthouse on the island. However, before that could happen, California was annexed from Mexico by the United States. And then, dun-dun-dun, soon came the onset of the gold rush, which we know is a huge deal in California. Oh, yeah. And also, therefore, created a huge increase in shipping traffic in San Francisco Bay, which, I don't know, have you ever been to San Francisco? No, I have not. The bay has, like, it's hard to explain because it's a big bay, but it's not, like, you can see the other side of it. It's not, yeah, like, massive. It kind of looks like a big river (laughs) across the bay. (laughs) Nice. So just the idea of, like, a ton of shipping traffic, you can see how it can get congested quickly in that area. Yeah. But, so at that point, once... California was part of the U.S., and there was all this crazy shipping traffic going on in 1847. So only a year later, after California was annexed, a lighthouse was finally built on Alcatraz Island. But unfortunately, it was severely damaged in an earthquake in 1906. Mm. But in 1909, a taller tower just south of the original lighthouse site was built. And that, the 1909 lighthouse, is still operational and claims the title of the oldest operational lighthouse on the west coast of the U.S. Wow. Congrats, lighthouse. I know. That's pretty cool. I always forget how young the west coast of the U.S. is, like, as far as um, large-scale settlement. (laughs) Oh, yeah. As far as, like, American history and not, like, Native American history and everything. Yeah. Like, the West Coast is, like, so many years behind the East Coast. It's crazy. Right, because we're starting to talk about, like, initial real industrial settlement in the 1850s, which is, like, on the East Coast... We're already well, well established at that point. Oh, yeah. So. But, anyway. Around 1850, Alcatraz Island became part of a three-point defensive strategy for San Francisco Bay. So mm. I can I can put up a map on our Instagram. But, basically, you, get, you have Fort Point, which is to the... Well, if you're coming through the Golden Gate Bridge... Like, towards San Francisco Bay. Fort Point is will be on your right. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then Alcatraz would be straight ahead of you, and then there's, I don't know what the other point is called, but there's one on the left. So they were basically setting up kind of a, a three-point, like a triangle defense system for anything coming through that channel. Mm, gotcha. So, a large brick fort was built on the island, in addition to two other brick forts on nearby islands. And then, when the Civil War broke out in 1961, Alcatraz had 111 cannons, numerous gun placements, and a fortified gateway. Ooh. Which I looked up a million times, and I don't really understand it. So, <laughs> so we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, I think it's just, like, a reinforced entrance so that you can't access the roads on the island. Yeah. Um, but... There were, like, a lot of different, very different examples from different scenarios, so. Yeah, makes sense. Anywho, Alcatraz Island and the other forts nearby became a very important part of the U.S. Army's Western defense from the Confederacy. Mm. At the time, there were over 400 soldiers stationed on the island, as well as way more weapons than they had originally planned on. However, throughout the Civil War, technology improved quite a bit, just from the beginning to end. Oh, yeah. Meaning that it didn't really take too long for Alcatraz to become obsolete as far as being a valuable defense. Because they were still working with, like, large cannons. Yeah. (laughs) Shooting short distances. Which is not super helpful. Also, I could be wrong, but... (laughs) I don't know much about military strategy, (laughs) but being on an island, if someone takes over your island, you can't escape. Yeah. I'm not really sure what the thinking was there, but... I think the only thinking is that, like, you could probably see them coming. Yeah, that's true. And then just shoot cannons at them from afar. Yeah, that's a good point. But, yeah, if they they were to, like, sneak in and get close enough and board the island, they could, like, literally just slaughter everybody and then leave. Yeah, (laughs) no, once they get on the island, that's bad. That's what happened in, um, I forget what country it was. It was in the, it was in Europe. I don't remember if it was in the E or the UK or not. But there's that, like, crazy case of a bunch of kids at, like, summer camp, like, sleepaway camp on this island, and this guy, like, went up there and just, like, shot them all up. I remember that. Well, it, obviously, I don't remember when it happened, but I remember hearing about that case. It's a um, crazy one. It's, like, is that the one that's called, like, the Girl Scout murders or whatever? No, that one's in America, and that one is also terrifying. Um, Moral of the story, just never go to summer camp. I love summer camp, but yeah, like, don't send your kids to a remote island. I'm, I literally went to sleepaway camp on an island. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived. I did. It was really great. <laughs> anyway. And to wrap up that part, Alcatraz Island was officially decommissioned as a fortress in 1907. Ooh. So, now we get to talk about Alcatraz as a prison. Yes. I failed to mention this before, but Alcatraz was actually a prison in one way or another, basically from the moment that it began to be developed. 
This part gets a little messy with wars and dates, so I'm going to give you to start a brief timeline of the prison history, and then we'll I'll elaborate on some more things after that. Okay. So, in 1859, the first military prisoners arrive on the island. Oh. In 1861, the first civilian prisoners arrive on the island. In the late 1800s, Hopi, Apache, and Modoc Native Americans were incarcerated on Alcatraz during the various Indian Wars of the late 19th century. Rude. Because as we know, especially in the West, there was just, like, constant battles between colonizers and natives, and it was a, a disaster. Yeah. In 1898, military... Convicts were imprisoned during the Spanish-American War on Alcatraz. In 1907, regular army troops were replaced by U.S. military guard when the fort was decommissioned. So they basically took, like, their active duty army off and replaced them with, like, people whose whole job it was to be guards. Gotcha. That makes sense. That took me a second to figure out. I was like, are those not the same thing? <laughs> yeah. But within a year, they began building this massive concrete cell house, which is what people usually picture when you talk about Alcatraz. You can see it from basically anywhere in San Francisco Bay. Because like we said, it's only 22 acres. So it's not really a huge island. And this is a no. huge cell house. And then, in 1915, it was renamed the United States Disciplinary Barracks Pacific Branch. And once World War I began, conscientious objectors were sent to Alcatraz. So it was still a military prison at that point. And then, in the 1930s, during the Great Depression, the Bureau of Prisons was formed, which still exists, and I did not know that. And the land was transferred from the War Department to the Department of Justice. And Alcatraz reopened in 1934 as a federal penitentiary. So, this area in Alcatraz Island's history is what people tend to think about when they think about Alcatraz. At this time, this prison was said to hold, quote, the worst of the worst criminals. More on that later. <laughs> and according to the National Park Service, USP Alcatraz, which I'm probably going to use USP a lot. It's United States Penitentiary. Gotcha. Alcatraz was an experiment, the prototype of our supermax prisons. Ah. Two failed to abide by the rules in the federal prison system ended up on Alcatraz. Not necessarily for the crime that they committed, but for their behavior in other federal prisons. Gotcha. Yep. No visitors were allowed on the island, which obviously fueled stories of terrible food and conditions. Mm. But in reality, testimonials from former inmates prove otherwise, saying that the food was good and the prison was extremely clean. They did have, like, gardens and stuff. They grew their own food. and yeah. I'm sure prison food is never amazing, but... No. But, I mean, that's what you get for getting put in prison. Exactly. More on that later. (laughs) (laughs) So, one of the most famous quotes about Alcatraz Penitentiary at this time 
that you see in literature online when you're there it's everywhere yeah um comes from the institution rules and regulations which is a list of 53 things rules that they were supposed to abide by while being at alcatraz Ick. and this quote says quote you are entitled to food clothing shelter and medical attention Anything else that you get is a privilege, end quote. Don't get me wrong, Alcatraz was super hardcore, but as expected, in a place so isolated, some aspects of its brutality were likely blown out of proportion. Oh, yeah. Overall, USP Alcatraz held 1,145 men during its time open from 1934 to 1963. Wow. There were no woman inmates or staff at Alcatraz. Makes sense. Yep. So, now, prisoners of note. So, I just wanted to make a quick note before we start talking about some of the more famous inmates of the Rock. This was brought up by one of the park rangers that was giving a talk on the island when I first got there, and it really struck me, so I thought it was worth mentioning. As we said before, the people that were sent to Alcatraz were not necessarily the worst criminals, but they were there as a result of their behavior in other federal prisons. Mm -hmm. Which means, yes, Alcatraz did hold hold some well-known violent inmates, but it also held men that were mentally ill, those who defined racial racial segregation, and gay men. At the time, unfortunately, these were all things that it was not uncommon uncommon to be incarcerated for yeah so even though Alcatraz does get the reputation of being the worst of the worst people it's not necessarily that doesn't necessarily apply to everybody that was incarcerated there yeah that's hard yeah which is something I didn't even talk about until he was talking about it I was like wow Mm. interesting all right now our famous inmates First, we have Al Capone, known as Scarface. (laughs) (laughs) And according to Biography.com, Al Capone was one of the most famous American gangsters who rose to infamy as the leader of the Chicago outfit outfit during the Prohibition era. Oh, yeah. Before being sent to Alcatraz in 1934 for a tax evasion conviction, he had amassed a personal fortune estimated at $100 million, which in 1934 was probably so much money. Oh, geez, yeah. As the head of the infamous crime syndicate. He was released in 1939 and died in 1947 as a result of cardiac arrest related to syphilis. Ooh. Yeah. Friendly reminder to get yourself checked for STIs regularly, everybody. <laughs> Yep, don't die of a heart attack because of syphilis. Syphilis is a rough one. Next is George Kelly Barnes, also known as Machine Gun Kelly. Hey! (laughs) Not the one that's dating (laughs) Megan Fox. No. (laughs) When we were touring, Liv was like, what? (laughs) I was like, no, not that one. (laughs) Machine Gun Kelly? No, he picked his name from this criminal. (laughs) Yes. Him and I think Machine Gun Kelly also has become like a, not just a name, but like a saying. I don't know if that's correct, but that's what 
on Wikipedia, there's options for things that you could click on. Interesting. But George Kelly Barnes, better known by his pseudonym Machine Gun Kelly, was also an American gangster from Memphis, Tennessee, also active during the Prohibition era. His nickname came from his favorite weapon, a Thompson submachine gun. And he's best known for the kidnapping of the oil tycoon and businessman Charles F. Urschel in July 1933, from which he and his gang collected a $200,000 ransom, around $4 million as of today. And Urschel had collected and left considerable evidence that assisted the subsequent FBI investigation which eventually led to Kelly's arrest in Memphis on September 26, 1933. His crimes also included bootlegging and armed robbery, just like every other crime boss ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's got to be some crazy evidence he left to lead the FBI to him, because they didn't even do, like... Did they even do fingerprints back then? Like, I don't think so. They were like, yeah, he looks like the red guy. <laughs> That was those were the days of evidence that landed a lot of non-criminals in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean if it's still happening now with all of our technology, I can't even imagine how bad it was then. Oh, yeah. No. It must have been absurd back then. Oh, I broke my nail. Oh no. It's okay. Yeah, that happens. Next we have Robert Franklin Stroud, known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh, creepy. I hate it. He was a convicted murderer, American federal prisoner, and author who has been cited as one of the most notorious criminals in the United States. Interesting. During his time at Leavenworth Penitentiary, previous to his time at Alcatraz, he reared and sold birds and became a respected ornithologist. What the fuck? Yep. How do you become a respected ornithologist from prison? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to have to look into him more because now I'm interested. I've definitely heard of him before, but I did not know that. Me too. I've definitely heard that name, but I've never read into it. From 1942 to 1959, he, sold bir- or he was incarcerated at Alcatraz, where unfortunately the regulations did not allow him to keep birds. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm surprised there was a prison that allowed him to keep birds. I know. Stroud was never released from the federal prison system, and he was imprisoned from 1909 until his death in 1963. Gee. And next, yeah, he was in there for a long time. Oh, my God. I mean, like. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I mean, like, I don't feel bad. Like, he obviously committed crimes and stuff, but that's so long. He was obviously a sociopath, but that is a long time. Oh, yeah. Dear Lord. What is that, 56 years? Or 57 years? No, 56 years. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's more than a life sentence, so. Yeah. And last... But not least, we have James Whitey Bulger. And you guys should all know that guy because we spent three episodes talking about him. Oh, yeah. If you didn't listen, go back and listen because Maddie did an excellent job. Thank you. Whitey was only in Alcatraz from 1959 to 1962, 
serving time for armed robbery. Yeah, and it makes sense when you say that a lot of the people that served at time at Alcatraz weren't necessarily the worst criminals, but that their, like, behavior was bad. Because he went there right after he finished with MK Ultra, so he was having, like, absurd night terrors and all that shit, so they probably were just like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, so he basically went from MK Ultra to Alcatraz. That'll really fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. Talk about isolation. <laughs> yeah. Go American criminal justice system. More on that next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Great. There's a really cool exhibit there right now all about the criminal justice system. Like, from historical to modern. And the problems with the current criminal justice system. It's mm. really interesting. Um, we started on the problems, but right now. But, but If any of you are interested in this stuff, the National Park Service does a really good job at their website. It's very informative. Like, they actually have a lot of articles and a lot of content. And it's detailed. It's not, I mean, you can find summaries, but a lot of it's very detailed, which is helpful. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I used them for something else. And they had a lot of really good information. I feel like I might have used them for something else, too. Now I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway. Salem, now, but, yeah. A little kind of fun note to end on is escapes. Mm. There were 14 attempted escapes, escapes by 36 men at USP Alcatraz. But only one, consisting of three men, was, quote, successful. That one, so crazy. I'm obsessed. (laughs) The successful attempt was by brothers Clarence and John Anglin and fellow inmate Frank Morris on June 12th, 1962. Ooh. Three enlarged the air vents in their cells, leaving dummy heads in their beds that they fashioned out of plaster, human hair, and beige paint. Paper mache project. They're super (laughs) creepy. (laughs) We should make fake heads next time we're together. Oh my god. And then um, put them somewhere and scare Tyler. Good idea. He, he scares easily. He would hate that so much. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I earlier I opened the door and he doesn't have the best hearing. So he scared <laughs> me open the door and I just stood there and he turned around like a minute later and I thought he was going to die. <laughs> but anyway, they climbed through to the top of the cell block and then onto the roof via a ventilator shaft. And then they climbed down a cast iron stovepipe and entered the water using flotation devices that they fashioned out of raincoats. These three men were never seen again. All three of the escapees have made escape attempts previously. And they do at Alcatraz, they have three cells that are like an example of the escape cells, which is cool. When the FBI investigated this escape attempt, they discovered the following. This is right from the FBI website, because they also did a really good job with this case. Oh, good. I know. Or with the information on their website about the case, I should say. (laughs) Yeah. The group had begun laying plans the previous December when one of them came across some old saw blades. 
Which makes sense because there was like shops and stuff because they could work for a small wage Um, on the island. That's cool. I mean, not that's cool. It's cool that they found the saws. Yeah. Or they, I mean, it's uh, really risky that they left them out and uh, even let them use saw blades. Oh, yeah. There was one thing in the kitchen that was like, so I guess kind of like still present today. You can also work in the kitchen. And their, like, protection for the knives was to just, like, they had this box and there is an outline of each knife painted where the knife, like, was full yeah. So instead of, like, an alarm or anything, it's just like, oh, if one's missing, we better go looking for it. And, like, if one's missing, it's probably too late. Yeah, and then you're going <laughs> to find it and it's going to be stuck in your side. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just seemed really funny to me. Oh my god, yeah. But anyway, using crude tools, including a homemade drill made from the motor of a broken vacuum cleaner, the plotters each loosen the air vents at the back of their cells by painstakingly painstakingly drill, drilling closely spaced holes around the cover so that the entire section of the wall could be removed. Oh my god. There have been rumors forever that they used spoons, but they didn't use spoons. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought they used spoons. I thought so, too. But And I was like, damn, that wall got really moist if it was <laughs> that soft. Damn, that's a really strong spoon. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Well, that I just thought that this was no longer a sound structure to even be in at this point because it was so soft that you could just use spoons to get that. Yeah, so, because you can still go into it. <laughs> I know, but my my brain went, wow, I don't think people should be in there anymore if you can <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure why I just never questioned the fact that they use spoons. <laughs> I was like, like oh, like, makes sense. They, like, made this motorized drill. <laughs> but this is also one of those things that, like, you learn when you're so young that exactly. it, like... You learn at the same time that you think you can dig to China, so... Right, exactly, so... Once they were through, they hid the holes with whatever they could. A suitcase, piece of cardboard, etc. So behind the cells, like once they get through the vent, there is a common unguarded utility corridor. So all hmm. their, all, where all of their electrical and stuff was. They made their way down the corridor and climbed to the roof of their cell block inside the building. Where they set up a secret workshop. Like, basically in the attic. This is, like, the most... Well, like, it's not even that crazy well thought out. It's just so much more than just, like, oh, we got out, now let's go. Oh, yeah, which is the story they always tell, is that they dug out with spoons and floated away. Yeah. It's a lot more complicated than that. It, like, I mean, like I said, they started planning it in December and didn't carry it out until June, so... yeah. So in their little workshop area, they took turns keeping watch for the guards in the evening before the last count. And they even conduct, like constructed this periscope type situation to give them a better angle. <laughs> they used a variety of stolen and donated materials to build and hide what they needed to escape. I love that they donated materials, especially because that's like other prisoners must have known that they were planning oh, this and were sure. like, all right, I'll help you out. 
don't want in on it, but I'll help. Yeah, exactly. More than 50 raincoats that they stole or gathered were turned into makeshift life preservers. (laughs) And a 6x14 rubber raft, which is pretty big. It's... I know. Not something I could do. (laughs) They also built wooden paddles and converted a musical instrument into a tool to inflate the raft. The creativity is unmatched. I know, especially thinking of how you're going to blow it up. I would have just been like, we got the raft. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll figure out how to blow it up when we get to the water. (laughs) They should get, like, honorary engineering degrees for this shit. Seriously. Also, at the same time, they were looking for a way out of the building. Mm. The ceiling was a good 30 feet high, but using a network of pipes. They were able to climb out and eventually pried open the ventilator at the top of the shafts. At the shaft. They kept it in place temporarily by fashioning a fake bolt out of soap. (laughs) So they could break through easily when they came back. Oh my god. (laughs) And this is the juiciest tea of the whole escape story. Oh my god, okay. Is that the FBI also found out that there was a fourth person that was supposed to join them. But he failed to remove his entire vent cover so he couldn't get out and he was left behind. And then he got bitter and became a snitch. Oh (laughs) my god! For the FBI. (laughs) And told them everything. Damn. And then they floated away and they've never been seen again. Wow. The FBI kept the case open for 17 years, but after no luck locating the men, dead or alive, they closed the case and handed it over to the U.S. Marshal Service in case something comes up again, but that was now a long time ago, so I don't know. Interesting. Like every sort of, like, Anastasia or Jean Bonnet or any sort of case like that, there's always sightings were like oh i saw frank morris downtown or oh i saw clarence or john or but as far as i know there hasn't really been any confirmed sightings for the final section of this week's episode of part one we're going to talk about the closing of the federal penitentiary yeah they said, damn, you can escape this bitch with a spoon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was only a year later that it was closed. Mm, yeah. Which, it to also confirm your point, part of the reason that they closed is that because, was because the structure was starting to fail. Yeah. And it was just costing them too much money to keep up the buildings from 1907. Yeah. So... No. In 1963, U.S. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy closed USP Alcatraz due to increasing maintenance and operating costs. Mm. Inmates were transferred to other federal facilities, and Alcatraz was left in the care of one custodian. One? (laughs) Yeah. So, I dug, I'm telling you, I dug for at least an hour trying to find out who this guy was. Because what a plot for a book or a horror movie or something of the sort. I know, like, hello, that's the beginning of The Shining. 
insanity. I was like, holy shit. But also, like, the, no luck. Isn't it supposedly super haunted there? Yeah, we're going to talk about that next time. Good. So when you sign up for a tour, you can do a day tour or a night tour, and the night tour is the ghost tour. But because I had never been there, we did the night tour. Next time, we'll do the ghost tour. Yes. But, yeah, so I want to find out who the one guy that was left there is. Yeah, because that's... I know. Nobody should be stuck there. <laughs> I know. I was Googling, 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 and without avail. Yeah, it's probably Hopefully someone... I'll find it someday. <laughs> it's on some public record that still hasn't been entered into computers yet. <laughs> for real. <laughs> we both work for the government now, so we know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yup. But... Anyway, I hope you enjoyed part one. There's more juicy stuff to come next week. Yes. But now you really got the full scope of the basically 120 years that Alcatraz was in operation in some way or another. That's crazy. Yep. It was very multi-use. And now it's a huge tourist attraction. Oh, yeah. Which... I see no problem with that. No. Especially because it's run and operated by the park service, so I feel like it's in good hands. And they get the revenue, so that's good. Exactly. So, you guys know the deal. As always, stay tuned next Monday and every Monday for a new episode. You'll actually get an episode this Monday and next Monday. Yeah. We're going to do better. (laughs) We will try. Uh, So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are currently listening. We're on Instagram at Monday Mornings Pod, on Twitter at Monday Mornings P, and we don't use Facebook. Yeah, fuck that shit. Uh, If you have questions or topics that you'd like to have covered in a future episode, you can... Hit us up on any of that social media, or you can also email us at mondaymorningspod at gmail.com. And honestly, most of you probably know us at this point, so you can text us or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. It really helps. Subscribe. You know the deal. I know everybody says it, and I'm so guilty of not doing it myself for some of my favorite podcasts. But probably nine months ago or so, I, like, went through all the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. Oh, my <laughs> and, like, God. And, ratings and reviews. <laughs> well, as always, start your Monday mornings the right way with Maddie and Morgan. Bye! See you next week!